0: It, and with heavenly youth, And the world with his great might. There is a God. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, again, good morning to you. Uh, It's so good to just be together. If you're
1: with us online this morning, thank you for your presence as well. I know we have a handful of our number who is sick and then a handful of our number who is just trying to be safe, and and we want you to know that regardless of of where you are joining us from this morning, we are glad that you are here. Uh, Take your Bibles out and go back to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. We're going to look at this text together uh, in a little more detail and in a little a more specific way about things. As I was looking at uh, this particular Sunday, I was you know, trying to figure out what what do we talk about going into the new year? What, what do we talk about when we think about 2021? And one of the things that you, know, you like to do as a preacher is you like to have goals and you like to have things that you're working toward and different things. And it seems like maybe if we had to go back and look at uh, last year, if we had to look at 2020 and give it a title, maybe give it a a purpose or, or something like that, maybe the word survive is, is the word that you would look at. Just try to survive the challenges, survive the years, survive the next thing that kind of pops up. And, and I do feel like as a church, not just physically, but spiritually, we've kind of been in survival mode. How do we keep people connected? How do we keep them engaged spiritually, especially maybe when they are not here with us and, and not able to be in person with us and their engagement is online, you know, how do we still make them feel like they are part of this church family and let them know that they are still important to us. What do we do when when we have to shut down for a couple of weeks? I mean, you know, as we look at the beginning of 2020, the beginning of 2020 saw a couple of new things uh, that were kind of the, the small baby steps to some bigger things that we were working on. We had a new class for our young adults that had started. We had met for three or four weeks together. We had had our first men's kind of event that we were going to start doing on a regular basis, and, you know, I just kind of got the, came to the conclusion that that one trip to Big Bob Gibson's was so good, we didn't need another one. It was just that great. And so, you know, we had some things that were started, and then all of a sudden, things just shut down, and we're having to learn to survive in a new um, a new way of life. So as I do from time to time, uh, we, I have an old youth ministry notebook that uh, was from my youth ministry class at Freed Hardeman, and there's even though it, that notebook deals with youth ministry, some of the stuff in it is just great for church across the board. One of the books that we had to read in that class was the Purpose Driven Youth Ministry, uh, which uh, is is a brother if you will to the purpose-driven church except it focused on youth ministry the youth ministry perspective of things and one of the things that we had to do in that class with that book and one of the things the books talks about is for our own ministry we had to create a purpose statement And that purpose statement has stuck with me, I mean, to the point that even in resumes that I send, if you were on that committee at the top of my resume somewhere, is still this purpose statement. And I got to reading this thing uh, earlier this week, and and I'm thinking about it and praying about it, and I thought, you know, this needs to be what we focus on in 2021, Because what it does for me is it regrounds me. It helps me realize what my purpose is, what I need to be focusing on. And so I want to share with you what we're going to call our 2021 purpose statement for the year. This is going to be something that pops up on a lot of different things. And it's going to revolve around three particular words. But it says that our purpose is going to to be to lead our church family and our community to a loving God who wants to reach, connect, and grow with them. Look at that, and let's read that again. To lead our church family and community to a loving God who wants to reach, connect, and grow with them. And this particular idea revolves around these three words. Being a church that reaches, being a church that connects, and being a church that grows. And everything that we do this year will be funneled through those ideas. And so today, what we're going to talk about is this word reach. Now, th- this word reach can can deal in a lot of different areas, but I want us to just maybe reground ourselves this morning. And what it is that we're supposed to be doing as a church and as a Christian when it comes to reaching those around us. And in the COVID-19 environment, it seems like evangelism has not been at the forefront of anything. Like I said, our focus has been, if we lack of a better word, survival, trying to just make it to the next Sunday, trying to make it to the next day. OK, and so the things that we're supposed to be always doing seem to sometimes kind of get pushed to the backside. Because we've got the most pressing thing in front of us. So, how do we reground ourselves in this idea of reaching into our community? Well, let's talk about a couple of things. The first thing is this God gave us a mission. All right? God gave us a mission. Regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of what's going on in your personal life, you have a direct mission from God. And that is to do your part in leading people to the opportunity of salvation. The passage that was read for us just a few moments ago from Matthew 28, the Great Commission, a verse that we're all very familiar with. He says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age if you've been in church your whole life there's no telling how many times you've heard this verse talked about preached on recited i mean it's it's one of our most important verses because it is jesus saying this is your job this is what you're saved for so that you can turn around and do this so that you can do a couple of things You can can create disciples, and disciples are made in two different ways. First is by leading them, by leading them to Christ. Now, some people may say that the first step is saving someone, but I want us to understand, above everything else, Jesus saves, right? Amen? Jesus saves. I have the ability to lead you to Jesus. I have the ability to guide you to Jesus. I don't have the ability to save you. Only Jesus does that. But I have a responsibility to lead you to that. I have a responsibility to to try to find people in our community, to try to even find people in our church, find people in my personal family, your family, that need Jesus as their Savior and lead them toward a relationship with him. Evangelism is not just about book, chapter, verse, answers, and questions. Evangelism and discipleship is about helping someone take the next step in their journey. You're not always going to be the guy that brings them from A to Z. You may be LMNOP somewhere, in there somewhere. But your job is to lead them. And then, secondly, it is to train them, to bring them up. What, is, what does this say? It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them, okay? Teaching them, training them in the things of God. People ask all the time, Matthew, why do you think it is that the church is dying? Uh, I mean, let's, let's look at Ninth Avenue, the church I grew up with in, in Savannah, uh, kind of parallels a very similar path. Uh, before um, y'all moved into this auditorium, what was in, in a round number, probably your average Sunday attendance that, you, that forced you to build a bigger auditorium? You're going to have to say it louder, okay? Somebody. Do what? Spaceship. Say it louder, Stacy. 250, okay? Does that sound right to some people? 250, somewhere around in there. I've heard 250, 300. Somebody told me that you were 600 at one time. I don't know. Savannah was very similar. They they were a a lot larger congregation at one point, and then they built a new building. And every year that they've been in that new building, their attendance has decreased. By 3%, on average, by 3%. Okay, this morning, and, and this is, we have COVID stuff going on. This morning there was 113 between both services. When we shut down in, at the end of February, from October to February, we were averaging 185 on Sunday morning. That's still a, a long way from 250 people. And people ask the question, why are churches dying? Why do, why do people not go to church anymore like they used to? And it's real easy to go, well, it's about those people. They're just not interested, they're not committed, you know, this and that and the other. I think it's because as a church, you know what we've quit doing? We've quit leading people, and we've quit training people. We're all about getting them wet. But then we don't put forth the effort to train them, to disciple them, to make them Christians that are going to go out and and bring new people in, and, and convert them, okay? So that's, that's the thing here is I'm supposed to go out, so here's how it works. I go out. I'm a disciple of Christ. I find Broughton, and I help lead Broughton to Christ. He decides to come into a salvation relationship with Jesus, and then it's also my job to teach him, to disciple him, to get him to the point to where then he can go out and find someone else and teach them and lead them and train them so that they can then go out and find someone to lead them, to train them, and teach them. If we're doing that, are we ever going to have a problem with the church being empty? No. Never. But I think the reason our church buildings are emptier than they've ever been in recent memory is because we're not doing what Jesus has told us to do. We're not leading and training. We're getting people wet. We're saving them. But we're not teaching them the full counsel of God which is discipleship. And that needs to be something that we're focused on because that's part of reaching out into our community. Okay, so so where do we begin? Where do we reach? Now, one of the dangerous things to, in church is budgets. All right, one of the dangerous things in church is budgets. I, I've had preachers ask me as we've gone through um, as we've gone through this shutdown. Uh, I heard a guy say one time, and I think it's true that that people are concerned about the three Bs of church: the building. The bodies and the budgets, okay? What does your building look like? How many bodies are in the pew? And what's your budget? I have had several people, preachers ask me during all of this, well, during COVID, what's your budget look like? Is it it stayed okay? Because, you know, y'all don't give, I don't get paid. then we've then we we got a problem back there, don't we? we're gonna quit doing some things? I don't know. You know, so so they're concerned about things, and, and people are concerned about you know the budget and what's in the budget. And a lot of times there's something in the budget called mission work. Mission work. And where's that u- mission work usually done? The money that we give to mission work, where is that mission work usually, where's it usually done? Is it done here? Is it done somewhere else? It's done somewhere else. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with supporting missionaries. I've been in situations where I've gone into churches and I've given mission reports and I've asked people to give money uh, to support the work that I was doing so that I could go on these trips and be a part of this mission team. I think that's a great thing. But the challenge is when you look at a budget and you go, oh, I've got this budget line out here for mission work and I'm supporting all these missionaries around the world. We're a mission-focused church. But are you? But are We? Because you see, as Jesus is about to ascend back into heaven, he's already given the great commission, and now he's fixing to tell them how to accomplish it in Acts chapter 1, and verse 8. He says, you will be my witness, and name these three places, in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the what? Ends of the earth. But where's the first place he told them to start working? Where's the first place? You'll be my witness in where? Jerusalem we have to make sure that we're fulfilling our mission of sharing the gospel by going into our own Jerusalem. And you see, Jerusalem for the apostles, that was their home base. That was where they had all kind of uh, landed. They're not necessarily all from Jerusalem, but that's where they had landed. That's where they're functioning. That's, that's, where, they, uh, that's where they waited you know, from, from the ascension to the day of Pentecost. That it became kind of the home-based church that, as the church is growing, the, the, the bulk of the apostles kind of stayed there so that when there were problems, you know, you see Paul coming back and, and getting advice from the rest of the apostles. It was their backyard. It was where they worked. It was where they, they, they had their friends. They had potlucks together. Jerusalem was home-based. It was their neighbors. It was their coworkers, okay? And he says the first place you go, the first place you start as you think about evangelism is not the end of the world's. It's at home, and if we're truly going to be a church that reaches people, we have to first reach out into our own backyard and share Christ with our friends, with our coworkers, with our family members, with the cashier at Walmart, with, you know, I mean, that's where it has to begin. It has to be personal to us. It can't be this abstract thing, and then eventually you get to, the next phase and the next phase. And, next. and if you read to the book of Acts, it, it follows this, I mean, to the T. They started Jerusalem, and then they go into Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the world, okay? So it it, planned, it laid out just as Jesus wanted them to do, but it had to start in their backyard. It had to start in Jerusalem. And for us, it has to start in Haleville, Alabama, or whatever part of this area that you're from. That's where it has to start. I have seen churches, and this is not always an easy thing to do, they have cut their foreign mission budgets so that they can invest in local mission opportunities. And the return is this, as they are bringing more people in because of a change of focus and emphasis, then in the long run they're able to to support even more foreign missions. Why? Because they have grown their local church as well. So we need to be a church that's reaching into this community. And we can do that whether there's COVID-19, whether there's a flu pandemic, whether there's a flood. Regardless, we can reach in our community. Okay, let's get off of that and move on to something else. Why do we struggle with this? Let's, let's talk about these things very quickly. We struggle with this because for the first thing is we don't want to seem judgmental. How many of you like to be liked? Raise your hand. How many of you like to be liked? How many of you don't care if you're liked? I don't believe that one bit. <laughs> I've never met one person that's happy when everybody's mad at them. Have you? Have you? No, we hadn't. Now, I think some people have a personality that's, Maybe not as connected to that, but across the board, we liked to be liked. We don't want everybody to hate us, and we don't want to come across when we begin to talk about our faith as a judgmental Bible-thumping Christian that thinks I've got something that you don't because I'm better than you, and I'm more holier than you, okay? We don't want to come across that way, and so what do we do? We just keep it to ourselves. We can't be that way. We can't be afraid of what people think about us. One of the hardest things that I had to learn as a minister is that when people are aggravated at the truth, a lot of times that aggravation is pointed to me, but who is the aggravation really with? It's with God. And when you understand that and wrap your mind around that, that when you share the word of God and people maybe get aggravated or they think you're being judgmental, their issue's not with you. Their issue is with God. And, and once I realized that and wrapped my mind around that and accepted that, it was a lot easier for me to be a little more evangelistical, to be a little more open about my faith because I didn't feel like I was being better than everybody. I was just simply sharing the word of God. And if you thought I was being judgmental, then it wasn't me your issue was with, it was with God. And I don't mean that to sound ugly or, or, or there again, holier than thou, but I think that's the place we have to get to in, in our faith is that it's all about God and it's not about me. The second thing, very, we're going to hit these real quickly, is we think people aren't interested. We think people aren't interested in God. Let me ask you this question. This is uh, I shared this with the first service, and uh, I've, I've got a book uh, that I read a couple of years ago on, um, uh, with, that talks about, um, what does it talk about? talks about reaching the unchurched. And this guy did a survey across 300 churches in America, and the people he talked to and surveyed and questioned were people who were unchurched, as in they had never been to church, and they were 25 years or older. So they were adults that had come into a church environment for the first time in their life. They weren't brought up in it, and they went to college and left, and now they're coming back. They are unchurched people. And do you know what the biggest reason is that those people are in church now? You know what it is? They were invited by someone. They were invited by someone. Very few people are ever just going to walk through our door uninvited. Now, there are the exceptions. There are the exceptions. Tyler's back there this morning. He just showed up one day. You know, just showed up walking in our building, was walking down the road, it was time for church, he just shows up. That very rarely happens. Most people that step foot in our building show up because they're what? Invited by someone else. They're invited by someone else. And I'm not sure the statistic, I don't remember it, was somewhere around 75% was the number that he found out was that nearly 75% is either right below or right above of people that you invite, nearly 75% of them are going to accept the invitation and join you for at least one service or one event, whatever it is you may be inviting them to. Now, I know that this, we're going to say, well, hey, it's COVID, we can't invite people this, that, and the other. Look, our mission doesn't change. Our mission does not change because of the circumstances we find ourselves in. We still need to be actively sharing our faith and asking people to be part, uh, to, to join us and be part of our church family and, and try to lead them to Christ. We need to be a church that's going out and asking people to be a part, to invite them to do these different things. We invite them to birthday parties, to watch ball games, to tailgates, to all these other things. We need to be inviting them to be with us as well and share our faith with them. People are interested, but you're never going to know if you don't talk to them about it. Here's the last thing of this. We're afraid of not having the answers. We're afraid of not having the answers. How many of you, that's a fear of yours, of sharing your faith? You're afraid to share your faith, but, hey, I'm afraid I'm going to be asked something that I don't know the answer to. Okay. Now, what does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about that? The Bible says, be ready. He says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. So how do you get ready? If you've got a test tomorrow, if you've got a test tomorrow, what do you need to be doing today? Especially if you haven't done it at all. Study. Okay? That's something that's ingrained in us our whole life. If you study, you make better grades, right? That's the theory anyway. I kind of disproved that theory. Studying doesn't always make better grades, but hey, we tried it anyway. If you want to be ready to answer questions about your faith, you know what has to be a part of your life every day? Words from this book, in some shape, form, or fashion, words from this book, from your Bible, need to be a part of your daily life, whether it's in song, whether it's in prayer, whether it's in study, uh, just reading through, whether it's in devotional books, this needs to be a part of your life so that when you're asked to give a reason for the hope that you have, you have an answer. And it's not just about book, chapter, verse. It's about your story as well. What is becoming a Christian, what has it meant to you? Why has it benefited you in your life? What is it about God that makes your life worth living? How has he changed your life? How has he blessed your life? And then those, those words, those stories intertwined with Scripture gives you an answer. And then if you get to the point that you don't know the answer, you know what it's okay to say? Hey, I don't know the answer to that, but let me figure it out. Or let me let you talk to someone else. And you learn along the way. That's why we struggle. But now here's the last question. Why do we share? Why do we share the word of God anyway? Well, it's on our sign out front. Do you know what the slogan on our sign says? The Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. A church that, what does the rest of it say? Cares for its community. Why do we do it? We do it because we care. We do it because we love. Have you ever thought about the people that are standing around you in the idea of saved or unsaved, or how about this, going to heaven or going to hell? People that you love that are not Christians could be saved from hell if you simply share your faith, if you simply, simply share. The words of Jesus with them and I don't think any of us want the people that we love to go to hell we don't talk about it that way enough though I don't think I don't think that the seriousness of it really sinks in with us that when we're not sharing our faith we are just saying hey I don't care if you go to hell or not go ahead I don't care about you enough to share my faith with you if we care about people then we'll want to reach them for God We'll want to reach them with his words, with his son and say, look, this is a better life. This is a great way. The rewards to this are going to be so wonderful, especially in eternity. I don't know about you, but one of the greatest things about my faith, one of the greatest things about my faith is having a family, is having a family. I'll be honest with you. Things in my personal family have been very challenging over the last month. We've had some, some family disagreements, some, some issues that we're trying, to work through. A lot of prayer has been poured into it. But one of the things that has made it, even in a difficult time, a little bit easier has been I have a church family. I have brothers and sisters here and in other places that I have picked up the phone and I have called and I've talked to and I've leaned on and I've said, hey, I need you to walk this time of challenge with me. I can't do this by myself. We have a world right now of hurting people. And one of the greatest things that we can offer them is love and caring and a family that will support them and help them through difficult times. That's what God asks us to do, to be that type of church that shares that message with other people. So that's reach. It's our job, regardless of what's going on, to reach out to those around us and show them what salvation is, show them what love, what grace, and what mercy is. Let's end our time with a prayer, and then we'll have our invitation. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the chance to be together. We thank you for giving us hope in a challenging time. We thank you for a new year, a time of renewal, a time of optimism as we look into the future of this year after coming out of so many challenges. God, we see the light at the end of this tunnel with this virus. We see people getting vaccinated. We see people healing from it. We see people overcoming overcoming it, God. And I just pray that that continues in a great and powerful way within our nation, within our community, within our church so that we can fellowship with one another again so that we can uh, be this, this great community of believers together again, God. But God, just bless us like you have through this challenging time. Help us to be creative in ways to reach out to those around us. Even in these difficult times, let us keep this idea of reaching our community in the forefront of our mind as a priority for us as a church and as individuals. Give us the strength to share. Give us the knowledge to share, God. Give us the conviction to care about those around us enough that we want to just shower them with your love. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
0: If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five star review which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ, caring for its community.